Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Devin Hassan, sports editor for the Mesquite News and Rowlett Lakeshore Times, as well as Brian Murphy, sports editor for our Frisco, Little Elm, and Salina papers. And gentlemen, just as we've done these past few Thursdays, let's let's answer a question. <laughs> let's have a little bit of a discussion. Let's pull an entry from our ongoing summer question series. Um, we're going to discuss that for the first half of this podcast, and on the back end, we're going to take a, le- a little uh, preview you at State 7 on 7, which happens this week down in College Station. Give you a rundown on just some of the uh, the local flavor that we've got out at State 7 on 7. But um, as far as this week's uh, entry from our question series, I wanted to focus on um, regions. You know, obviously with realignment, obviously everybody is fascinated to see what district you wind up in, but the regions are just as important as far as, especially when it gets to just kind of factoring in playoff runs and whatnot, because that's that's where everything starts. Is everything starts, you got to get out of your region first before you can you know, get to the state tournament, and if you're just going to look at kind of the effect that, um, you know, especially if you switch from one region to another, um, you know, some regions are stronger than others, some, you know, very sport to sport. Um, so basically the question is, what effect do, um, just does region X have on district Y? So we'll just kind of touch on just a few of the regions that kind of, I guess, fall within our coverage area. You know, we've got some uh, some representation um, quite a bit for region 2 in, uh, in class 6A, mm-hmm. especially between, you know, you with Garland ISD and Mesquite ISD. You with Prosper and me with Plano and Allen. Um, we can look at a couple of the 5A regions as well. Um, but let's start in yeah, Region 2, 6A. Um, obviously, Devin, you've, I mean, your schools have been entrenched in this region for quite some time. Um, when you saw you know, a, a bit of a revamped version of Region 2 and in Class 6A. What was what immediately kind of jumped out at you? You know, I, I think the uh, competition level across the board um, certainly took a step mm-hmm. up. Um, I mean, you know, we, we talked before, you know, they got rid of that Woodlands district, that Conroe-Woodlands-Lufkin district, which yeah. certainly was was good um, in a variety of sports, especially the Woodlands. Um, and then that nine, the former 9-6A, you know, Coppell's good across the board, Jesuit on the boys' side, mm-hmm. you know, they, they make the playoffs. But then you had the Richardson schools, and you had a couple of Dallas schools, so you had, I'm not going to say a free pass, so to speak, but there were games that were not as tough across the board. Now you look at the new 9-6A with yeah. Allen and Prosper and the Plano's schools and McKinney and McKinney Boyd and uh, Jesuit yeah. still remaining in region two and you look across the board at 12 6 a with uh, with the Colleen schools and Wake of Midway who's a tremendous all-around program in Belton um, I think those first and second round matchups got a lot more difficult I don't think there's any layups so to speak mm-hmm. whereas sometimes you know if you draw you know just looking back at the last say Saxe softball playing Lake Highlands you know it was you know 17 to 1 something along those there's not going to be any of those first round matchups no. anymore in any sport and so I think mm-hmm. that the Garland ISD schools and, and, and the Mesquite ISD schools are going to see a lot more competition mm-hmm. those first and second rounds because that's where like the first domino always falls in the by district round. That can kind of set the uh, kind of set the path for a team as far as its playoff run goes. Because um, you know having covered District Six Six A for these past few years, that was always such a uh, you know just such a storyline is that when you had Six Six A versus Five Six A, you were getting matchups in the first round mm-hmm. between you know two teams that were ranked in like the top twenty in the state polls. Matchups that were third fourth round designation, but because those two districts happened to be next to each other, you had a great team. 
getting eliminated, you know, <laughs> in the very first round. And I think, uh, you know, at least kind of speaking from the PISD Allen point of view, um, I do think there is going to be, it's going to be a, a difference, you know, going from having to play that murderer's row of a district with Louisville ISD and South Lake Carroll, one of the, maybe the most well-rounded district in the entire state. Um, and then you get this, um, you know, in, in turn now, PISD Allen McKinney, they're going to be going up against the Garland ISD district plus Wiley. And, you know, they've at least got an idea of what Wiley can bring to the table. And you know that there's going to be some consistency with Saxe and Rowlett. I believe between those two schools, only what, Saxe boys basketball was the only one that missed the playoffs last year? Yes, yes. And, and that's what we've talked about before mm-hmm. is, is is the depth yeah. of that district. Saxe and Rowlett are what they are. Yeah. But when you get that of those third and fourth place teams. Yes. And you'll have, other, you know, you'll have other sports where you get some, you know, some resistance from Garland ISD. Obviously, we know South Garland's See, boys basketball is going to be, you know, be the end-all, be-all in that region, most likely. And, um, and then you have things like Wiley Softball, which has made the playoffs for almost 25 consecutive years. So you know where the uh, you know, where some of those strengths lie. But on balance, though, it is if you're just if your goal is simply just to fortify a spot past the first round, you know, obviously, you know, it, you you'll take your chances against 10-6A versus you know having to run into a team that might be ranked in the state's top 10 in just about every sport in 5-6A. Yeah, Devin, I think you just angered a lot of people from Richardson and Garland. <laughs> You're going to get a lot of emails. <laughs> See, yeah, well, I'm just, I'm just, the results speak for themselves. Yeah, they are, yeah. That's, yeah. But, but, you know, it, it, you know, just look at it and taking it one step beyond, though, mm-hmm. like, again, I, I mentioned the Kalina District, but 11-6A yeah. is, is, has good all-around programs. The Rockwall schools Absolutely. are both very well-rounded. Um in all sports, uh, Tyler Lee, Longview um, have some very good programs, uh, and, and the Mesquite schools. I mean, particularly Horn, these yeah, last couple of years has, sure. has, has been able to to make the playoffs in, in most of the mm-hmm. sports they compete in. And Mesquite and North Mesquite tend to be trending up. They may mm-hmm. still be a lot of their programs may still be a year away. But, you know, they're, they're still going to be competitive. I think a school like Capel is an interesting case study for kind of how to gauge Region 2 because, you know, two years ago when Capel was realigned from Region 1 to Region 2, that was one of the big storylines coming out. Like, wow, what a what a draw for Capel. I mean, the Cowboys could be set up to do some special things. And they, well, on balance, they still they finished 7th overall in the Lone Star Cup yeah. this past year. So you would just say on just sheer, like, all-around excellence, they still had a good year. But you look at just kind of what the, uh, it was more just kind of a, a totality of like they had programs that made you know some significant runs but they had at least I believe I checked the numbers they had five programs that got to the third round of the playoffs but only two teams total got to the regional tournament it was yep. both the soccer teams and I think that's where you see really the depth of region two come into play is once you get into that third round and you start dealing with like the woodlands and you know the uh, I'm just looking over the uh, the current structure right now but you have programs like Cypress Ranch and Vandegrift Klein ISD I mean that's where you know you begin to feel a little bit more of the uh, the resistance that people might not recognize locally, just because it's not as you know pressing right now. But looking at it now, I mean, their by district rounds for Capel are going to be really tough. You know, oh Capel, yeah, you know, it's, Nelson, it's, it's changed Iyer. much. Yeah, yeah, it's changed for Capel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Capel was kind of in that in that position last year where they, um, you know, they would, I mean, they won or finished second in most of those uh, sports out of nine six A. So you were looking at getting the you know the four seed out like of name in the or girl. Or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and a lot of success there. So getting out of the first round wasn't the issue for them, but it was. You know, for a program that was that well-rounded, mm-hmm. you know, they still, you know, maybe left a little bit of meat on the bone from a uh, from an expectation standpoint because Region Two does have, you know, you know, quite a bit of strength. You might not notice it in the first round of the second round, but once you get into the third round and you yeah. start dealing with some of the schools that are a bit, you know, further south of here, it'll um, it'll, you know, 
creep up on you in a hurry. And I was looking, I'm just through the um, just through the Lone Star Cup standings just to begin with, just to kind of see where the uh, kind of how how the current the upcoming region two kind of where the the balance lied. And of the top 16 programs in Class 6A in the Lone Star Cup standings, six of them are going to be in Region two this coming school year. That's the most of all four regions within that top 16. That doesn't even include Prosper, which was number you know, one in five yeah, a. number one in 5A. So you still have, I mean, between you know, you're getting Allen, you're getting Prosper, you have you already have the Woodlands, you're getting Cypress Ranch, Vandegrift, Saxe was in that mix too, Klein. Mm-hmm. So you still do have some pretty well-rounded athletic programs for sure in Region two. Yeah, and, 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 and even, you know, the Central Texas teams, yeah. some people overlook, Pflugerville, Round Rock, those oh, yeah. programs. In the, in the right sport, oh yeah, they'll... Yeah. Saxe's very well, very, very aware of Pflugerville. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in football. And even over in, um, you know, even though Allen and PISD departed Region One and Six A, um, you know that I mean Region One was, you know, was just such a such a bear, especially in the DFW area with all the strength there. And looking at the current Region One alignment in Six A, it really does feel like a lot of the power has kind of been consolidated to, you know, districts five, six, and seven. Um, you know, the old, you know, what the, uh, you know, what used to be the Allen Plano district in Six Six A. Now that is where the Louisville ISD schools and Capel reside. In 66A, their by district draw includes, um, you know, Denton Geyer, Keller ISD, Northwest ISD, South Lake Carroll. So you're going to get some plenty of competitive matchups there. And then you have District 76A, which, in you know, depending on the sport, can be just an absolute bear with, uh, you know, Cedar Hill, DeSoto, Grand Prairie ISD, Mansfield ISD, because you did have a couple of those Mansfield schools mm-hmm. make the jump up to Class 6A, um, as well as uh, you know, Waxahachie. Um, I'm fascinated just to kind of see from that aspect how a team like uh, you know, like Keller does, because Keller used to be in District Three, you know, a bit further out, you know, west, and you know, you would, um, and they had an, a great athletics year. I believe they finished top five in the Lone Star Cup voting. Hmm. But they, um, you know, they're going to be a lot of those teams that were a bit more, you know, central to DFW. You know, they would see those teams in like the fourth round of the playoffs. Yeah. Whereas now you're going to get a lot of those, you know, first round, second round for them. So I'm curious to see if that kind of changes their uh, their prospects at all. Um, how about uh, let's see, looking at class uh, class five A, you know, areas that you two are a bit more mm-hmm. a bit more familiar with. Um, let's look at region two. You know, with um, you know, you've got a couple of mesquite schools out there. Mm-hmm. All the Frisco schools are there. Yeah. Um, what were your um, what are you all initial impressions on what uh, kind of the impact that 5A, that Region 2 is going to have in 5A. Now we're looking at just the, the non-football district? Yeah, yeah, not so much They football. don't have to play the Mansfield teams in the regional tournament. <laughs> Mansfield, uh, Legacy, and Timberview, they're in Region 1, District yeah. 5, uh, 5A, and then Mansfield Lake Ridge, who's been a problem for many of the Frisco and Prosper teams mm-hmm. over the years, uh, they moved to 6A. Yeah. Uh, so they don't have to deal with them in the regional tournament now. Uh, their by-district round, I think, gets a little easier. I mean, you still have McKinney North in there, but you have Princeton, a team that just moved up mm-hmm. uh, to 5A. They were 4A last year. Don't know too much about Denison, but I know they're they're good at football, but it doesn't matter for, for this case. But Lovejoy is going to be an interesting yeah. uh, by-district matchup. Lovejoy is good at pretty much everything. Yep. You can kind of compare them uh, to Prosper. They you know they have a few of their sports where they're really, really dominant at, like volleyball, where mm-hmm. they're a state title contender every year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, like a, a Lovejoy, Lone Star, Lovejoy, Wakeland, you know, first round matchup in a lot of sports. Well, and if I can make anybody else mad, um, <laughs> looking ahead to that second round matchup, if you can get through the by district round, who scares yeah. you outside of Highland Park? That's fair. Yeah, look at the mean, districts 11 and 12. You know, yeah, that's the, the Carrolltons and the rest of the Dallas schools who, you know. And, and, and again, it, every sport's different, and you're going to run. 
running the different teams that yeah. they were going to give you a battle. But just you know, across the board, Highland Park is always going to jump out at you for the most part. Um, but if you can get past that first round, you got to feel really good about the at the opportunity to advance advance further. Like think about baseball. Because a lot of those teams, you know, no knock on the Dallas schools, but they're not traditionally good at baseball or softball. Mm-hmm. That's an easy, easy ride, you know, two rounds deep in the playoffs just like that. If you can get by a Lovejoy or a North or, yeah. or Wiley East in the yeah, first that, round. Yeah, and some, some of the Carrollton schools have pretty good baseball tradition. You know, they used to, though. Yeah, and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. They've fallen on hard times recently. Yeah. But, um, but, I mean, for, you know, for Mesquite Poteet and, uh, and West Mesquite, I mean, that's like it's an entirely different outlook in that, in that portion of the region. It, it, it really is. Um, you know, and, and you look, it's, it's, they're no strangers to some of those East Texas schools, mm-hmm. but th- there is a lot, There's there's been a lot of changes out there um, in, in the way that the makeup is. Um, they're used to running into that Frisco district in the second round, yeah. which has given them fits in a lot of sports because they've had a lot of really good teams mm-hmm. that just ran up against better competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some really, really good soccer teams that just run into that, you know, those Frisco ISD juggernauts mm-hmm. that are, are, are Prosper, for instance, in the last yeah, couple like of years. Like West Mesquite has had to play Prosper in the second round two years in a row in girls' soccer. So... And then West Mesquite, little alone boys basketball, and you know stuff like that. And, and it's, it's really hard for us to gauge. I mean, there. I mean, I, I know two years ago I had a stat where when fifteen six A played sixteen six A, they were twenty six and six in the first round. Wow. And I mean, they were just dominant. Mm-hmm. But then you look at a, a year like this year. Well, that, those East Texas schools were, were stronger, especially yeah. late in the year in soccer, in, in softball, in baseball, basketball. They were solid yeah. Too, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's you know across the board, and it's really hard for us to gauge because we don't get to see them on a regular basis. Uh, we don't read about them on a regular basis. But you know, you got some, you got some names, name programs over there. Uh, Texas High is there. Uh, Lufkin is there. Uh, John Tyler dropping down from six A. Right. Um, is is in that region. Uh, you know, Ennis is generally strong. Of course, Canada in, in several sports. So you know, it's going to be interesting to play. Uh, you know, we're going to have to take this on a sport by sport basis, but it is a different dynamic in what they're going to see. Over in, uh, and then just to round this out with a quick look at Region One in Five A. Um, you know, where Lake Dallas, the colony, of Little Elm reside. Um, you know, Brian, you cover Little Elm. I cover Lake Dallas. I think the first thing that jumped out to me as far as their change uh, from Region Two to Region One is. Um, when it comes to by district competition, you're going to have to. Re- I think the top two seeds yeah. in um, are are paramount because if you look at District Seven Five A and kind of where the uh, it's it does look at least look at, at the surface like it could be a fairly top heavy district for sure with yeah. um, with Grapevine and Colleyville Heritage. Um, you know, Grapevine at least is a program that you know Lake Dallas is plenty familiar with. They shared a district with them a couple years ago. As you know, same for Birdville, who's also in that Seven Five A district. Um, but with Grapevine and Colleyville, you're talking about two of the most well rounded programs in in you know the 5a classification and if you're getting it it would seem to reason that you know you know obviously you know things can change sport to sport but it would seem to make sense that those two are probably going to be jockeying for the district championship you know quite a bit throughout the course of the school year and if you can get you know one of those top two seeds and just kind of prolong that matchup against um, you know Grapevine or Colleyville it would definitely be to your benefit in the Lone Star Cup standings this last year in 5a Grapevine finished eighth and Colleyville Heritage finished tenth yeah. Grapevine I saw them play in soccer at the state tournament, state final against Wakeland. You know, they're dominant in girls' soccer. They're good at everything. Colleyville Heritage, yeah. yeah, Colleyville Heritage, you know, their baseball mm-hmm. team was phenomenal. Still will be next year. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that'll be a big, big uh, 
point of emphasis mm-hmm. to avoid those three and four seeds if you're Little Elm or Lake Dallas or the Colony? It'll be it'll be more preferable, I think, at the surface than um, you know than what they've had to worry about in, year, in these last couple of years with going up against Frisco ISD. Mm-hmm. Um, went and checked. Um, you know, Lake Dallas, Little Elm, and the Colony posted just a, a 13 and 17 record in by district competition against Frisco ISD these past two years. So obviously, you would hope for you know for uh, brighter pastures in Region One, but obviously with Grapevine and Colleyville, that is certainly uh, certainly no guarantee. Um, one other thing about that region, kind of looking elsewhere, you mentioned you know the Mansfield schools mm-hmm. and them making the shift from two to one, and you know, I mean they were in such a uh, that was such a strong district last year that 10-5-8 district where they were tethered to uh, you know Lancaster and Waxahachie, mm-hmm. Midlothian, the other two you know Mansfield schools that are now in six eight Lake Ridge and Summit. I'm kind of anxious to see kind of how they fare now, kind of on their own and a bit of a, a more preferable draw. I mean, uh, Timberview and Legacy are good at everything, too, you know, especially girls basketball and and basketball in general. uh, Timberview, I saw them just dismantle the Lone Star girls basketball team in the regional tournament. You know, if they're in Region 1 and Lone Star's in Region 2 like it is this year, Lone Star is going to state, no doubt about it. But, yeah, we'll we'll see how that that shakes out later with, like, you know, Little Um and them facing potentially Timberview and Legacy and and basketball later down the road. Well, and real briefly, getting back just just to Region Two for a second, mm-hmm. just football only. The landscape is completely different there because then you have in that little regional you have the Frisco schools, but then they match up with the Mes- with Legacy, with Timberview, with Highland, Highland Park. Park, with oh, Lancaster yeah. in the right. first round, yeah. and on the other yeah. on the yeah. other side you have you know the Poteet uh, and West Mesquite, John Tyler, who's going to have a very good team this year. Uh, you got Lufkin, who's a traditional power, and College Station, you know, a, a young school that's really kind of yeah. come up. You know, quickly in there in the last five years, and they were in the state so, championship game uh, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you, you look at that those little those four districts right there, packed in the fo- mm-hmm. football only. Yeah, granted, for sure. Um, but that's there's a lot of very good teams, not a little sub regional. Devin, who's making the playoffs in District Seven Five A Division One football? <laughs> <laughs> you put me on the spot. I will say I'll be. I'm not going to homer it. No, yeah. uh, Poteet, West Mesquite, John Tyler, and. Sorry, Kendrick. Uh, oh, Wiley East. Kendrick's going to hate you for sure. I know. That's a, well, that's a tough I, I, district. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a roll today. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never really even no, paid I, attention to that no, 75A, so I had to ask. I was like, that's that's a pretty tough district. No, I, actually, I would, I would take Wiley East out the Texas high end. Mm. So, um, how the order goes, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, just don't ask me to, to predict the playoff for District <laughs> 5A. Five, five, Not yet. Not, Not yet, yet, at least. Not that yet. Is. That's for a later podcast. <laughs> Let's see. So I guess, um, yeah, that's a that's a look at uh, look. That's some regional talk. You know, obviously we uh, focus a ton on these on these schools, these districts. But obviously, once they get to the postseason, you know, just to give you an idea of kind of what the playoff landscape looks like um, in the respective regions that we cover, um, we're going to shift gears and talk some state seven on seven because that's happening this week. And um, we will give you a uh, just a quick uh, primer on what to expect out of state seven on seven after a word from this sponsor. Today's Student Athlete Spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years! That's three presidential terms. Uh, You can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow-roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, Bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. 
And let's pick things up with a uh, with a look at some state seven on seven. It's uh, just that time of year. We've got the action. I believe the Division two tournament starts later today mm-hmm. down in College Station out at uh, Veterans Park and Athletic Complex. Division one gets going tomorrow. But um, just wanted to give you all just a quick primer on just as far as local teams go, what we have down at the state seven on seven tournament um, out in College Station. We have let's see, by my count, we have eleven teams from our markets competing at state seven on seven. In no particular order, in Division one, there is Prestonwood Christian. Capel, Plano East, Little Elm, Hebron, Saxe, uh, Poteet, and Horn out of Mesquite ISD, and Lovejoy. And then Division Two, we got Salina and Sunnyvale. Um, I'm not really sure even where to start with this. I mean, we can start with, um, well, let's look at our Salina. Salina is kind of the it program when it comes to seven on seven. I mean, if you're going to just kind of make a, uh, you know, just a power rankings all time on which programs have done the most with their respective seven on seven uh, campaigns, you'd be hard pressed to look anywhere else in Salina. For that top spot. Yes, this is since seven on seven began in the nineties, they've mm-hmm. won four ch- uh, state championships. One in two thousand before they even split up, you know, into three, two or three divisions. So yeah. they're you know beating the the five A teams at the time. You look at you know other teams like Graham that have won three state titles in the last three years in Division Two. I believe they're in the same pool. Uh, Salina, no, they're in the pool next to them. So they'll ha- they'll have to get through Graham mm-hmm. if they if they can possibly get out of their. Um, their pool with Glen Rose, Mejia, and, and Worthing, a team out of Houston. Uh, but yeah, no, Salina, they're, they're locked and loaded. It's, you know, you can almost guarantee every year that they're going to make the state tournament. And I, I had a good conversation with Coach Elliott um, last week about it. And he, you know, he goes, a lot of teams, you know, get mad at us because we don't run what we run in football. Yeah. He's like, we'll run in seven on seven. We, you know, we want to win in Salina. You know, they've built this winning tradition in Salina over the years and in the fall and I guess in the summer uh, over the past few decades. And, you know, they, they, they do what they got to do to win. That's funny because, I mean, I've like, seven on seven just fascinates me just because of just the different, you know, the level of, you know, how much some programs how treat it versus how some other programs treat it. And then you, like a lot of teams will do the exact opposite of that. And they will run the same kind of, you know, pass-catch concepts that they would on Friday nights and try to, I guess, use it as a chance to really hone as much of their offense as they can, you know, mm-hmm. as best as you can under 7-on-7. Seven seven. But then you have a program like Salina, which says, ah, you know what, nah, nah, we're just going <laughs> to we're just gonna yeah. do what we can to get that W. Yeah, and he t- Coach Elliott tells me, he's like, man, this isn't football. There's no big lineman, speaking from a, a former lineman himself at TCU. So he's yeah. a, little, a little favoritism there. But, yeah, there's, he says it's not football, so they're not going to play football. Oh, I mean, he's, he's right. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. you, can try to make, you can try to put as much of a football spin to it as possible and try to you know, have it serve as much application for the fall as you can, but you can only go so far just yeah. because of the rules, and like you said, no, no linemen and whatnot, you can't, you know, the quarterbacks are stuck in the pocket, so it's, I mean, yeah, no, like I said, it's just simply one school of thought versus another, and it's tough to, I mean, argue with the results when you just you look at what Slime has been able to accomplish. Yeah. It, it's working, and it's building a winning culture, you know, throughout the offseason, yeah. so to speak, so why not yeah. keep doing it? And, it? and the kids are still getting to compete, which yeah. I think every coach mm-hmm. will tell you, like, almost from one to another, that's the, probably the closest thing you can get to a consensus when it comes to 7-on-7, seven seven, it's just another way to get the kids to compete. Well, and, and just to build some momentum. Yeah. Even, like, when you take Sunnyvale into account. Mm-hmm. Sunnyvale had another great season last year, but they had a very hard time throwing the ball. And again, there's no correlation between what happens now and what happens you know, in August and yeah. September. But you know, this is a pass-oriented game. And so just by kind of developing some camaraderie, de- developing some chemistry mm-hmm. between quarterback, wide receivers, just in that offense, um, I think that's a positive step that you know, Sunnyvale's... You know, 
having you know made the state tournament, yeah. they can kind of point to that and say, hey, look, that's we're going to build from that once we get to uh, to, to the workouts mm-hmm. in August. And it's also pivotal, I think, if you have if you're breaking in a first year quarterback, if you're one of those programs that graduated, you're like we have teams like Prestonwood, like Capel, like Hebron, um, Saxe, for example. You know, they graduated. You know, all of them graduated Division One quarterbacks. And if you can get a chance to, uh, I mean, the more co- you know, the more chemistry you can use to develop between your quarterback and your receivers, especially if that quarterback is going to be entering their first year as a varsity starter, to do so in a like in a what's I mean, say what you will about seven on seven. It's still a high stakes competitive atmosphere. So just to give them a chance to kind of you know develop that uh, you know that uh, that togetherness and build that bond, you know, under that kind of pretense. I mean, I think that's that's something that could definitely pay dividends, you know, down the road for sure. Mm-hmm. Coach Elliott was also telling me he was like, yeah, we've had years where we've done terrible in seven on seven and gone on to you know win state and, yeah. and football and vice versa but just looking at some research you know they <laughs> they won it all in 07 in both 7 on 7 and in, in regular football that's the best so of both get, worlds yeah and yeah. in 2000 so I mean I guess it correlates a little bit you know so might as well go all out in 7 on 7 if it helps you know yeah talent is talent though yeah. it's, it's gonna win it's, it's gonna win in the summer sure. and it's gonna win yeah. in the fall a lot a lot of time not always but a lot of times the Solana just, just a quick bullet points this is their 17th overall appearance at state 7 on 7 their 12th consecutive as you mentioned that they've won it 4 years 2000 07 09 and 2012 that's the most all time just for context sake only four programs in the state have won multiple state seven-on-seven championships. So, I mean, Salinas is just in some rarefied air there with four of them. You, know, you mentioned Graham has three, and then there's a couple, um, you know, Lake Travis and Baytown Lee each have two apiece. So it's, I mean, what Salinas has done historically is pretty hard to, you know, to, to replicate. And, I mean, you look at, I mean, every year they seem to, you know, at least get to, like, the quarterfinals mm-hmm. or at least win some game in their, uh, whether it's the championship bracket or the consolation bracket. They always seem to have a productive showing there. Um, as far as a program like, uh, let's look at a couple like of these first-time programs that are going to be making the trip down there. I mean, you guys have a couple of those with Little Elm, Saxe, Sunnyvale. Um, just kind of what are uh, what kind of expectations do you think those programs have being their first ever trip to uh, to this event? Well, you know, I, I, I brought up Sunnyvale just a minute ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just this is a matter of just kind of laying a foundation, yeah. you know, and, and building momentum toward the fall. Saxe is an interesting case because uh, Red Baron is the head coach over at Saxe for years. Has you know he he'll, he'll lead the first one. To tell you, I'm not real big on seven on seven. Yeah. In a lot of years, they play in the little local league, mm-hmm. but they weren't real big at these SQTs. They weren't real. They, they didn't really try to qualify for state. They've kind of taken a different approach. Uh, you know, you mentioned the breaking in the new quarterback, uh, Anthony Beltran, Xavier Foreman. Have both been getting snaps. They both got snaps in the spring. They're both been working out in seven on seven. But this is the first year that they've really, you know, they they had a good effort. You know, I guess two weeks prior to qualifying, and, and then they finished. Uh, um, they won at the Northwest uh, Northwest uh, State Qualifying Tournament on June 9th. They were actually in a primetime tournament, one of these specialized tournaments oh, yeah. that pop yeah. up all the time, all, all those, over yeah. the place. Yeah. Uh, you know, during the as seven on seven continues to grow, uh, they took second last week. So, you know, this is the first year that they've really kind of focused on seven on seven, and it pay, it's paid off because mm-hmm. this is the first year they've ever made it to the to the state tournament. Mm-hmm. But with a little um, Brian, I mean, obviously you've had uh, your expectations are high for little um come this fall. But um, just to see them, they were able to uh, you know notch a milestone by going to state seven on seven for the very first time. I mean, it surely doesn't hurt the progress. My expectations for little um are always high. <laughs> 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 no, but it, this is interesting that they made that they're succeeding uh, in seven on seven because their two strengths, I think, are their offensive line and their defensive line. Mm-hmm. And you know, Coach uh, Kendrick Brown told me last month that he thinks their defensive line is going to be the strength of the team. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. You know, they're, and they're doing so well in seven on seven. 
seven. But they also have a quarterback in Logan Kohler who's been a starter since his sophomore mm-hmm. year. But they graduate their two stud running backs who they could have possibly used in seven-on-seven seven in different packages. And they also lose um, their best receiver who's going to Texas Tech. Uh, so it's like, you know, who's, who's stepping up? Well, they have a guy named Brandon Crossley who's going to be a defensive back, offensive specialist, kick return specialist, getting a bunch of Division One offers. So he's been he's been balling out, as Kendrick uh, Johnson likes to say, from all you get the call. He's been doing just that. And they also, they also have another guy named Will Harris yeah. who transferred from Hebron just before last season. He's a starter on the basketball team. He's six five receiver. Okay. So he's been doing well as well. So when you have those, you know, the talent, you know, and and the experience, it's it's going taking them a long way. Well, and that's that's why it's so hard to forecast seven on seven success because like you say little has an established quarterback but kind of some uncertainty around him whereas Saxe does not have an established quarterback you know so it's so people say it's so quarterback focused in seven on seven but if you have pieces around it as well I mean Saxe returns you know Miles Nash Derrick Rose Trent Dean Cameron Cromer wide receiver uh, Mikey Buchanan Bryce Robinson on defense uh, Coach Barons thinks that Braylon Brooks and PJ Barber could be his best set of defensive backs he's had since okay. he's been at Saxe so you know it's even if you're breaking in a new quarterback it's those skill positions are equally as important so better than the kid that's going to Penn State I can't think of his name right now best pair oh and he was okay. and I Isaiah Humphreys is a, oh, is a safety, and, and he's okay. you know arguably the best defensive back in Garland Dynasty history based on just high school performance. Yeah. But he's he's talking about his two clever corners. He mm-hmm. feels so good about mm-hmm. them. He doesn't, again, this is offseason talk, but he's just really really excited about what these guys can do. You know, come fall. One um one team that's um at least going to be on my radar as far as the teams you know that I you know cover um, you know locally um I'm interested to see what Prestonwood Christian can do at this uh, at this tournament Prestonwood Christian who they played um they qualified way back in the very first SQT all the way like two months ago the one out in Frisco that was like in the middle of April you know like a month before the actual SQT season really began in earnest um, and that's the only SQT that they did so they just have those four games in Frisco as far as tournament games go. And they were um, they were dominant. They won all four games. They won by an average of about twenty four points. Um, but then since then they've um, you know they've they've done the weekly leagues that you know that all you know just about all schools do. You know they do a private school league on Mondays. They do a public school league with I believe it was Capel, Richardson, Pierce, both of whom are qualified for state, as well as uh, Highland Park. And um, you know despite you know Preston being a private school, you know they show well against the public schools. This is their uh, you know their third year going to state. And um, yeah, I mean just the uh, kind of the element of the unknown and seeing how they. Uh, because Prestonwood does traditionally sports some pretty strong, uh, you know, players at the skill positions. They um, they are going to be one short, and that is kind of an interesting subplot. Just not just for Prestonwood, but just for um, you know, for a small handful of teams, is um, how state seven on seven is going to conflict with the uh, the opening finals, mm-hmm. the uh, the Nike Prospect Showcase that's going to be in Frisco, um, Friday through Tuesday. Um, you know, Prestonwood's not going to have Austin Stogner, their star tight end, one of the, one of the top tight end recruits in the country, because he's going to be in Frisco. You know, at this prospect showcase, um, as far as other, um, you know, other uh, markets within our area that are, you know, could be affected by this, uh, Hebron, Hebron's best receiver, Trajan Bridges, both he and Austin Starter committed to OU, by the way, um, but they are, you know, on the uh, on the invite list for the opening finals in Frisco. Um, then you also have schools like, uh, you know, like Lake Travis down in Austin. You know, their stud receiver Garrett Wilson, you know, he's invited to this event. You've got, you know, Bishop Dunn has two defensive backs that were invited to this. So you have, you know, some pretty, uh, you know, so you could have some of, uh, you know, I think at least I counted seven programs of the ones down in uh, State Seven on Seven could. 
could be shorthanded because of you know it conflicting with this uh, you know with this prospect showcase. Um, it's just be interesting to see if that pays any dividends, if there's any effect whatsoever with these teams being a little bit shorthanded. But you um, just had to throw the OU thing in there. I did. Huh? Boomer sooner. You guys know how this goes, especially you, Devin. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> So, um, I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to throw out for State Seven and Seven? Well, that just about uh, that just about do it. Little Lum's going to win it all. So there you go. You heard it here first. Sorry for the spoiler alert. No need to drive down to College Station if you were planning to, because yeah. Little Lum's already got it locked up. No, I, I'm really <laughs> to see how Horn uh, uh, factors in down there. I, I saw them last week at the Rowlett uh, SQT where they qualified, and Jermaine Givens, yeah. their outstanding second-year quarterback. Um, I mean, he just again. It's it's seven on seven. There's no pressure. You know, it's it's very laid back back there. Uh, but you know, he just looked effortless back there, just picking apart the defense. I guess Mansfield uh, Mansfield Timberview, which is you know obviously got incredible athletes over there. They've had their share of success. Yeah. Um, but I was just really impressed with him uh, last week. Asias Taylor, uh, Reagan Nickerson is back, and, and they're younger guys. He was spreading the ball around. You know, Horn graduated the top three receivers last year, and so Reagan Nickerson is really the only guy yeah. back with a lot of experience. But Nikowski Emery is, is is back. He got a, he got into the action a little bit late in the season. But guys like Cameron Jackson, Jaden Givens, these younger guys that really were kind of impressive in this in this at the Rowlett mm-hmm. event that I saw last week. Uh, so you know, we'll see what they can do. Uh, they have a they got Lake Dallas in their opener um, and pool right. play, uh, as well as Austin Bowie and Cy Fair. So uh, we'll see. I, I, but Horn, it wouldn't surprise me if they were able to make a little bit of a run. I'm interested to see what Plano East can do as well, just at least from a, I want to see how uh, how well that offense continues to gel, because as we mentioned, they have a lot of continuity on that side of the ball, especially, you know, tailored to an environment like 7-on-7, seven seven where they have their starting quarterback, Brandon Mallory, and they have just about every receiving yard that the team picked up last year. So, and that's, it's kind of materialized with when you look at what they've done with players like uh, Jalen Anderson, who, I mean, is one of, you know, one of the best receivers in, you know, in the area, and just a guy who, the only player, like, in all the SQTs that I went out and shot photos for this summer, that was one of the only players who consistently just drew oohs and ahs from the you know from the spectators on the sidelines just because of just some of these spectacular catches. I mean, his catch radius is just off the charts, and I mean, you can, I mean, yeah, he was a, just a he's a walking highlight reel when he's playing seven on seven. You know, plus you got guys like Josh Allison, Braylon Henderson, Joseph Carter, a lot of continuity in that Plain East offense. Anxious to kind of see how they how they fare during their trip to state seven on seven, and that will um and obviously yeah we will have coverage on all that stuff um you know throughout the uh, the week as the tournament proceeds. Um, for all that stuff, you can check it out at starlocalmedia.com. Otherwise, folks, I think that'll just about do it for this edition of the podcast. Devin, Brian, appreciate y'all for tagging along. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. In the meantime, folks, y'all enjoy the rest of your week, and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.